Could the Blue Jays rotation have a different look than we expected? And could we be underestimating Clayton Kershaw? Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have but, not had uh, three cold brews uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15. On The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Thursday, May 21st. I'm Al Melchior, and the other guy that's here, he's Michael Beller. Uh, we are here together to talk a little bit of Blue Jays rotation news, a little discovery that I made on Clayton Kershaw, and, and Michael, I guess we'll see if um, I'm just late to the party on this. Uh, a little bit of <laughs> hey, Pirates news. I mean, news. Clayton Kershaw's been around for a while, Al. You might be very late to the party on this <laughs> this, one. this is true. This is true. I, we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'm going to give myself some credit for, you know, being in on Clayton Kershaw when everybody was. But Let me, let me tell you, I got, I got a guy for you. Clayton right. Kershaw. Ever heard of him? Clayton Kershaw. He's the guy. <laughs> Man, mind blown. Mind blown. Uh, yeah, we have got a little Pirates news, too. So uh, we've got some stuff to get to, so let us get to it. And let's start with um, a piece that just uh, recently came out in the Toronto Star uh, from Gregor Chisholm. And um, I guess not really so much as uh, of a news piece as maybe more an opinion piece, but, but you know, something for us to, to chew on a little bit, Michael. Um, so Gregor Chisholm writes about how he thinks that the, the Blue Jays could have some strong incentives to go with Nate Pearson in the rotation from start to finish. And, I, you know, we've, we've sort of had this discussion already, but it was kind of flipped upside down where we were talking about the back end of the rotation. And particularly, I think we talked about Trent Thornton and mm-hmm. a scenario where um, maybe Nate Pearson would come up part way through the season. And what would that do for, for Thornton's value? But this kind of flips, flips this around and says that, uh, you know, Pearson's, Pearson could take a job from somebody. And I think whoever that is, um, you know, whether it's Thornton or somebody else in, in the Blue Jays rotation, isn't nearly as newsworthy uh, as the, the possibility that Pearson Pitch as a whole, let's just say at this point in 82-game season, I think that's the assumption we're all going on. Uh, so what would you expect from Nate Pearson in a whole season, which is actually really half a season? Yeah, I think, first of all, he's for sure going to be on whatever sort of roster that Major League Baseball teams have. He's going to be on that for the Blue Jays. Zero chance that they want this guy going a full year without playing some real competitive baseball. So he's already going to be there. He's already going to be part of that taxi squad at the very least, and that – uh, I, I think it gives the Blue Jays a little bit more leeway to get him up uh, and have him playing in real major league games. So I buy this. I buy Nate Pearson having uh, a, a real impact on the Blue Jays season this year. We're talking about a guy who has made all of three appearances in his professional career above the AA level and just 16 appearances at the AA level. So we know what the potential is. We know what sort of pitcher he can be. It is impossible to pin down what we would expect from him. But you like a guy who has progressed the way that he has progressed in those 16 starts he has made at the AA level for Toronto, a 2.59 ERA, a whip that's better than one, 69 strikeouts in 62 and two-thirds innings. He made three starts at the AAA level last year and even three ERA, a whip that was 0.83. The 
prospect uh, numbers for him have increased year by year to the point where both MLB and Baseball America had him as a top 10 prospect coming into this 2020 season, a first round pick back in 2017. I mean, he checks every single prospect pedigree box that you would hope for, and the production has been there to match. So what he uh, would, what we can expect from him, you know, I'm not going to be a suit, pretend I'm a soothsayer and say that I can see it. But what I can tell you is if he is going to be someone who factors into the Blue Jays rotation mix, then I am very interested in any remaining drafts and auctions that I have because the ceiling here, I think, is you know top 40 starter. And that could be something huge uh, out of a, a guy where you're probably not going to have to pay too much to get him. Yeah, and I think that that's – I like the way that you frame that, Michael, because you're right. I mean, with such limited experience, really above advanced class A, uh, much less double A, it, it, yeah, it's it's a bit of a fool's errand to try to pin him down to an exact projection. So, you know the ceiling. He'll certainly be available in most leagues, uh, you know, towards the latter rounds in a 12-teamer. Uh, his current ADP on Fantasy Pros is 309. So, uh, you think it's worth, uh, you know, going a little bit ahead of that ADP and, you know, taking him maybe around, like, the 250th player taken? Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. There's almost going to be an element of – fantasy football style drafting to fantasy baseball this year I, or I think there should be in that upside is going to win leagues this year and upside I think always wins leagues in fantasy football uh, hitting on upside that is but we're going to see that in baseball this year right this isn't going to be our typical six month 162 game slog where almost for sure the best team rises to the top by the end of the season you're going to find a lot, I think, of fantasy baseball champions who hit on a few dudes who have really strong half seasons. And the guys who have those strong half seasons are guys who come into a season with massive upside. Nate Pearson has true frontline ace upside. Not this year, but eventually in his career. But that could manifest itself in a way where you are getting a top 40, top 30. And again, I'm saying, I'm saying absolute best case scenario. Pitcher from the 309 draft spot or the way that you put forth, do you go a little bit above that? So I don't know, the 270th draft spot, you're getting a pitcher who could perform the way that Nate Pearson's best case scenario ends up performing down there. I mean, we could be looking, we're, we are going to be looking at a group of guys who push fantasy champions who way outperform expectations and they only have to do it for half a season. That volatility is going to make some surprising uh, championship bedfellows this season. And Nate Pearson has the upside to be a guy like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I don't think either of us would be going far out on a limb to uh, to make that claim. And uh, just to get back to something that you said uh, much earlier in this discussion, that he almost certainly would be on the taxi squad. Well, one of the reasons that Gregor Chisholm cites uh, for maybe him getting a full season's worth of exposure, you know, such as it is, uh, in the rotation is that um, players who are on the taxi squad, they made wind up getting service time anyway. So if that's a you know, right. consideration for the Blue Jays, uh, that one may, may be out the window in, in a shortened season. But um, interesting piece uh, there uh, from him for sure. Uh, I want to move on to Clayton Kershaw here. And he's not in the news or anything, but as I mentioned on some previous episodes, uh, partly for preparation and partly just because I just wind up going into some, you know, some rabbit holes uh, uh, doing some research. Looking at Clayton Kershaw, I did not realize, and again, I may be late to the party on this. There were, I found at least a couple of articles that were written on this that I just missed last season. But uh, he lowered his average velocity on his slider. And probably because of that extra differentiation between the slider velocity and the fastball velocity, uh, that slider was a way more effective pitch 
for Kershaw in 2019. Much higher whiff rate, uh, a much higher chase rate on out-of-zone pitches, which lifted those rates for Kershaw overall. And, uh, you know, it was a bit of a uh, comeback season's probably not the right term because I don't think Kershaw really had to come back. But it was, you know, certainly a turn upward after uh, a pattern of him looking like he was in decline. Uh, Fancy owners seem to be aware of that because he's being drafted in uh, a lot of leagues in the top 10. Uh, in fact, on Fantasy Pros, he's ninth among starters in ADP. On NFBC, though, he's 13th, which is kind of a weird discrepancy. So um, do you think that in NFBC leagues that owners are, are missing the boat a little bit or have an opportunity for a, a bargain with Kershaw? Um, I don't know about that. I mean, I think that he is going to outperform a, a fair number of the guys who are ahead of him. Like, I, I will be shocked if Clayton Kershaw is the SP13, and I mean that in a good way. I think he will be okay. better than that. Now, I will also be shocked if Clayton Kershaw is a top three starting pitcher. I just don't think that that ceiling is there for him this season. I feel comfortable saying he's going to outperform uh, some of the guys who are currently going ahead of him. Like right now, right? Let's look at the group who is immediately in front of him or just right in, in the exact same range that he's in. And I'm just looking at NFBC. You've got just two in front of him, Shane Bieber, uh, one in front of him, Steven Strasburg, right behind him, Luis Castillo. Um, like I feel comfortable saying that he's going to do better than two of those three. Uh, he's behind two of them right here. I feel comfortable saying he's going to do better than two of them. Is he going to do better than all three? Is he going to do better than, you know, four of the five guys preceding him? We could also throw Mike Clevenger, Jack Flaherty, Justin Verlander into that group. I don't think so. But the floor is so high for him that he is just not going to fall beneath it. And some of these guys I do think are liable to fall beneath what we are perceiving to be their floor uh, coming into what we hope to be the start of the 2020 season. So I do think there is a very high floor here, and I would be taking Kershaw ahead of some of the guys who are going ahead of him, uh, but I don't think the ceiling is up to being a top three starting pitcher. Uh, circling back to what you said about the slider, I would love to hear straight from him that that was something that was deliberate and not something that was just the product of uh, the season wearing on him, uh, his age maybe starting to get to him a little bit. Obviously, a very effective pitcher at every single stage of his career when he has been healthy. I have no concern there. I would just love to hear straight from his mouth that it was by design and not just by contextual factors or by environment, environmental factors uh, that made it more of an organic drop uh, rather than something that he went out and uh, pursued himself and then ended up getting the results that he got. Yeah, well, to me, it was a little bit reminiscent uh, of uh, Dan Heron when he was with the Nationals, and he was really looked like he was sliding pretty pretty deep into um, a decline phase of, of his career and then had a bit of a comeback season with the Nationals uh, by consciously making that that very decision to take something off of his slider. I think it was a slider. It was certainly one of his, uh, you know, his out pitches. Um and, uh, you know, really worked worked well for him in that one particular season. But, yeah, that'd be really cool. We should uh, definitely, you know, get get Clayton on here. and uh, Let's get him get on. This, get, get straightened out once or for all. So I'm going to uh, hit up uh, our Dodgers beat writer, excellent beat writer, great radio and podcast voice, Pedro Mora, and see what uh, he can do if we can get uh, Clayton to come on here and tell us all about his slider velocity. All right. All right. You know, not raising expectations too much here. So uh, <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, shift to the uh, NL Central, or I guess it's just going to be the Central maybe uh, with no yeah. NL or AL. The Mega year, Central. Uh, that's, but, what, that's what they should be right. calling all these leagues. The Mega West, the Mega Central, and the Mega East, if that's how it happens this year. 
All right. Well, yeah, news from the Mega Central then. Um, and not, you know, not what we would consider to be, you know, big headline news, although it's actually it's one of the bigger actual news items we've seen in a while just because we, we are lacking, you know, injury news and, and that sort of thing. But Kevin Kramer underwent hip surgery. Uh, Kramer was uh, uh, in spring training battling for a utility spot with the Pirates. Um, you know, certainly had some nice minor league numbers, but in uh, a few stints in the majors has really struggled to to come close to those minor league numbers. Uh, but it, uh, now that he's had the surgery, he's going to be out for four to six months. So that clearly takes him out of the picture for uh, whatever 2020 season there is. But um, we have been talking about universal DHs on NL teams, and I think Kramer certainly, if he didn't have to have the surgery, would have been a candidate to at least get a share of that. Do you think with um, Kramer out of the picture, is there somebody that emerges for the Pirates who looks like uh, that that player could actually get a very large share of some DH time? Two guys who I look at here, maybe we could even say three guys who I I think are obvious gainers uh, from these two developments. Uh, Number one is Cabrian Hayes. Right. I mean, uh, he was going to be someone who was going to see time for this team anyways. And now that uh, there is an, a DH and someone who could at least on paper compete for some similar at bats as him out of the way. I think he's going to be a winner here. Uh, number two, Colin Moran. Colin Moran was most likely the guy who was going to lose uh, the most playing time to Brian Hayes. So with another spot and another person out of the way, you know, maybe Colin Moran holds on to some of those ABs that he was going to lose to Hayes. And then Jose Osuna. Um, I, I think that this is a, he's someone who the Pirates would have wanted to find some at-bats for. He's a versatile guy, uh, at least versatile enough that the glove will play in a few spots. It won't play super well, necessarily, in all those spots, but serviceable enough, uh, especially with what he can do with the bat, that I think they were going to want to get him in there. So again, another guy uh, in Kramer who's got some positional versatility out of the way for Osuna and that extra spot with the DH. I think all three of those guys benefit from these uh, from these uh, twin moves uh, for Pittsburgh. I think the guy who benefits the most isn't Cabrian Hayes because I think he was going to find his way into this lineup no matter what. I think it's Jose Osuna, uh, and he's the one who is most intriguing to me as a result of the Universal DH and of the Kevin Kramer injury because uh, some sneaky effective numbers. Last year out of Jose Osuna, I was actually a little bit upset. You and I had talked about the Triple Crown uh, auctions that uh, we did uh, along with Derek Van Riper, our colleague here. And uh, Jose Osuna was someone who I actually had targeted as this uh, flexible piece in the National League and the NL only version of it. And I missed out on him. And I was surprised at how upset I was uh, to miss out on Jose Osuna. He went in the reserve rounds. I'm not sure that that would have been the case if we knew there was going to be a DH because I think that he's someone uh, who's going to get a whole lot more playing time uh, as a result of these two things yeah well you took the words right out of my mouth because I was thinking if you did that draft again this week I think for sure he would uh, go earlier you know probably go as a regular part of the uh, the auction so I like Osuna too and I, I sort of blame myself for his numbers not being a little better Michael because uh, he was really on fire um, he he um, got pretty much in a regular part of the uh, the lineup uh, sort of alternating between first base and the outfield uh, in the second half of last season, hit really well in July and August. And, you know, so that's when I got really interested in picking him up in a bunch of leagues. And then he had a pretty miserable September. So, you know, it's definitely cause and effect <laughs> nice uh, when job, things Al. like that happen. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sorry. But uh, through the end of August last season, uh, Ozuna was batting 290 with uh, a 568 slugging. That's a 278 ISO. Uh, that's pretty darn nice. Now, I don't know if that September regression was pitchers adjusting, uh, him finding his level, 
Uh, but, you know, that was a nice long stretch with him with the upper 200s ISO. So, yeah, I was thinking just along the same lines. I think Ozuna uh, definitely would have the uh, the best chance at bulk at bats uh, in, in a universal mm-hmm. DH situation. So uh, I like that. And uh, if you want to get some additional perspective on what a Pirates 2020 season looks like, well, we've got a new one from uh, Rob Beer Temple on uh, his Pirates, the Virtual Pirates. I like that title for a, a column. Virtual Pirates kind of brings a whole <laughs> different image to mind. Virtual Pirates, how much is Josh <laughs> Bell a part of the long-term plans? So uh, interesting write-up there from Rob. Do check that out. And we're going to wrap things up for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get a 40% discount off of a subscription. Uh, just go to theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. And everything on The Athletic, it's yours. Uh, it's all part of your subscription. And you can also uh, get that through a 90-day free trial if you prefer to do it that way. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, We would greatly appreciate it if you take the time to do that. For Michael Beller, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be back here again on Friday.